0: Chances. Oh, brilliant goal, a brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney! Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di Tacco, Tiro! Goal! 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 Grasso! Goal! Andrea Pirlo will take, and it's full in, and it's in! A goal in 50 seconds for Milan! And oh, would you believe it? Gene the skipper has scored it. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this
1: ever again. Hello and welcome back episode 13 of the footy fans podcast andrew santo and joe we are coming at you from a bit of a different setting tonight um some illnesses being involved and just some covid precautions oh. being involved so COVID this test. is uh yeah no positive test from anybody <laughs> just being precautionary um so this is an off-site offline uh podcast but still here to bring you the same old uh same old epl news yeah just taking the precautions, right? Pending yeah. COVID tests and Andrew's incredibly deep voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might go either way. I'm sounding good or sounding bad, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little hopped up on some pain pills right now, so I'm not really responsible for what I say tonight. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, put an asterisk <laughs> next to this episode. You might have to. I mean, I'm feeling good, but I'm not feeling too good. All right. As my voice can tell. Um, <laughs> no, but we, I mean, like, what a week, what a weekend. Yeah, um, lot to talk about. Obviously, with Champions League going on midweek, all top four teams involved for England. The premier game was probably to look at was the Man City PSG match. Uh, Man City being down, well, not being down, but losing the first um, first game against them. I think it was match day two. Kind of had a bit of a chip on their shoulder, even though they're still first in the in the group. But of course, Pep and his boys, they want to you know win every game that they can. So they came out dominating, came out pretty fast and uh, feisty. Against PSG.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually, you know, I was a little surprised that uh, PSG took the lead when they did because it was in a period where I thought, you know, Man City were, I mean, I feel like they controlled most of the game anyway, but I really felt like they were on the front foot. And then, you know, Messi just kind of like did his thing, came out of nowhere and set up Mbappe. Um, But it was good to see Man City kind of fight back and win because usually when they go down, they just get frustrated and they try and do the same thing over and over again. They don't break through and then they'll lose the game against PSG, but it was good to see them fight back and get the win. Yeah. I was going to say they last few games, they've been looking particularly dominating. Like I know even against uh, Manu, what score, like not a high score line, same with PSG and the same with the game today against West ham. But I feel like they've been controlling these games. Like, in like a very much more than they typically do. I know PSG was only two, one to I guess, fight back, but they controlled so much of the play. It was kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Like to see Man City go down like that, like that's the only way they're going to get scored on. It's basically a counterattack mm-hmm. or like a play from nothing. You would think like a, you mm-hmm. know, a corner that just comes out of nowhere and they, you know, someone scores that way. Or like I said, like a counterattacking goal, it's, gonna be interesting to see i mean there's not many teams obviously in england that match up to city's caliber but as deeper and deeper we get in champions league to see them go up against a side like Bayern munich possibly i Mm -hmm. think that's maybe the best contender for them Mm -hmm. like even wise um it's gonna see how like pep would adapt that playing style because like we said they're the aggressor almost nine times out of ten every game they play so it's like you rarely see them not break past 65% possession most games. Yeah. So to see them being like the maybe like a weak foot team, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. I don't think they're going to go down that poorly. Like, I don't think they're going to play like so bad where we're saying, oh my God, like man city is getting dominated, mm-hmm. but to not be like the one always pushing the play. um, I'm interesting to see like how that game would just look from like a neutral yeah. standpoint, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, uh, my first gut reaction is say I don't, I don't see Bayern having more possession than City in the game. You know, right now, I would say if they played, I feel like it would be still a like a possession uh, dominated game by City, but I think Bayern would just create a lot more chances than I guess your typical team in the EPL would, and it would be a big concern for City where. Um, because you know you're most vulnerable i think when you have possession um and you know if you if they get a turnover and then byron starts attacking then i think that's where they can really expose city so it would be an interesting match to see and i hope we end up seeing it at some point yeah so i think if there's any expert in counterattacking, is byron and i feel like their their players are so experienced and so drilled that they would um i think they would be i know a lot of teams like like you know, whoever might be in the EPL, they're fighting against defending against City, but I feel like Bayern would have a very strategic uh counterattacking style that they could just do against City. Yeah. I wish there's
1: I wish there's more teams we could say though. Like I wish like Bar- I wish Barcelona was still relevant. It's really
2: just <laughs> honestly it's really just like Liverpool, Chelsea, Bayern and City. That I would say are like super like lethal. Like PSG, yeah. yeah I mean they won their first game, but there's nothing really convincing. Mm-hmm. To say that they will mm-hmm. make a run in Champions League, there's still still a lot of cohesiveness not happening at that place. Um, plus, you know, Pochettino potentially leaving, I think it'll be tough for them to make a run.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next game that happened in the Champions League to talk about was uh, Chelsea. And Juve. I mean, from my standpoint, it was mm-hmm. kind of like I could see Chelsea win and be happy. I could see Juve win and be still somewhat happy, but the performance that Chelsea put out there, I was like, okay, I can't even like say I'm a UVA supporter right now. Like I don't want to get any <laughs> embarrassment like backlash because like, yeah, from the get go of that game, it was Chelsea nonstop. And like, obviously the scorelines being four 0 That's kind of the result that I think Chelsea um, should put forward more. Like, cause, because obviously they can dominate a game, but we've seen it time and time again under Tuchel. They don't really put the ball in the back of the net like that many times, mm-hmm. but to actually go out there and put four away against a side that's obviously diminished a little bit over the couple of years in their defensive abilities, but a side yeah. that, you know, usually takes pride, right? It's Juventus is just the Italian game, the Italian way. Usually defensive tactics is like what they're known for. So to right. just pick them apart the way that they did, I mean, I'm happy that that's the way it went. My dad wasn't too happy, I'll tell you that, but yeah, <laughs> um, it still looks like that both sides might go through in the group. So right. hey, we'll see what that brings Uh after the group stage. Yeah, I mean it's almost sad to see Juve <laughs> lose I know.
2: that much because they've always been known for, you know, Buffon and Net and just the epic D that they have. And to go from that to where they're at now, it's you know kind of like a fall from grace type thing. So um, you know hopefully they can kind of figure it out because, you know, Juventus doesn't lose games for now.
1: It's just they're they're in such a weird place in time right now with the team and how it's structured yeah i don't think they have much money like i think right now there's actually like another scandal being Mm. investigated with Juve with some money transferring stuff yeah but it's like they don't have the funding to bring in like huge huge names so they kind of have to work with what they have right now and it's just a mix of like aging players and like young unproven players and they don't have just like they don't have maybe five guys that are like in their prime maybe Dabala. Like, Debala yeah. might be the only player that I can say is, like, in their prime really, really good right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, other other guys are just kind of, like, fit in pieces that aren't still trying, like I said, to prove themselves, or they just don't have, like, that world-class um, title next to their name yet. Yeah. And then the other guys, like, Bonucci and Chiellini, like they're obviously just, like, a dying breed of defenders <laughs> that I just have to get off the field because they can't defend it. Like, they, they can't defend it like they used to. I mean, yeah, even in the European Cup, like, The strength of Italy in the Euro Cup was our midfield. Yeah. And that was dominated by, like, young players that, you know, we never really heard of, like Locatelli out of nowhere. Uh, Spinazzola. like, obviously, he's an older player, but, like, he made his impact known uh, during the European Cup. And it's, like, obviously, Locatelli now is at Juve, but he's still not getting that playing time that I think he deserves yeah, um, to develop into, like, what a player he could be. But then I mean, there's just different weaknesses all around. Like Murata can't score, which is nothing new. And in, yeah. injuries and health and everything plays a factor. But um, I mean, they're still sitting like I think they're eighth in Syria right now. Yeah, seventh. Yeah. Is it seventh? Yeah, there's unknown yeah, there's territory for right for Juve. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> if I was like, <laughs> if I was in charge,
2: I wouldn't know what to do and how to fix that team. Yeah, I think obviously they got to replace all the goals that you know they lost because they lost Ronaldo um and like you said I think you know obviously I love our Italian D in the history and whatnot but yeah I think um just the way you know Juve would defend I think you know the game's adapted since they had their domination and just how they used to play mm-hmm. so I think it just it's they're gonna have to adapt and um just do an overhaul really Ooh. of I think their system get a get some new D and uh, obviously I think they're going to need a striker that scores and get the goals that Ronaldo would have scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even, even on a national level, like we can't go four games in the last run to, and then not qualify for the world cup. Cause we tied four of the last five games just goes to show, which is strange. I mean, you have the whole Syria and you can't find like a good, like a striker. I mean, a, a mobile, a, which is strange. I mean, he crushes it for Lazio and then well you can't, find a number nine that's gonna you know. he disappears you know, to
1: yeah. the italian side
2: several goals in a game that's what you need right especially yeah. because we're so defensive minded um but yeah it goes the same thing with Juve. if they <laughs> if their d breaks down they have like no other outlet to bail them out because there's well, nothing to the score
1: that people. that kind of shows like the disconnect too i think between like the four or five digit, like different main leagues in europe where I don't think Italy's like bottom, bottom tier. Like, I think it's probably like England, then Spain, then maybe Germany, Italy can be like interchanged. Mm-hmm. But like when the Italian teams, like when those players go against like world-class players and like world-class national teams from other leagues, that's when you see like the Italians kind of like, mm-hmm. like the, it's never, like when we play against like teams, like, you know, Germany, Spain, England, Argentina, like let's say we, we play them like later on in the World Cup, if we get there. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you can really see like how the Italians saw like the Italians. We don't like dominate games against like other teams that have world world class players. I was yeah.
2: that's why I was so shocked when we dominated the game against Belgium.
1: That was a surprising one. But I mean, that, but even yeah, that I game, was
2: so shocked we had like more possession than them. I was like, what is happening? And that's when I knew it's like, okay, maybe we can actually win. And like, oh, we're like a team that dominates possession.
1: Yeah, in, in that game, I think we really showed our defensive strength that game because all we had to do was basically lock down Lukaku because no one else really scared me. Yeah. And you saw it. Like, there were so many times that they tried to play to his feet and Chiellini and Bonucci were just, like, on his ass, like, Mm
0: -hmm. not
1: letting him get any space. And from that, a lot of turnovers happened and Italy got to possess possess the ball that way. So even, like, I was just saying how the Italians are, like, a dying breed of, like, defensive tactics, that game really showed, like, how defensively strong we were in particular for that uh period of time during that tournament. We went from defending to attack mode. Yeah. And we did the classic style. Like once we get ahead, once you get one or two goals, we just sit back and defend. And then we can still even counterattack after that and put the goals away if we want to or if we need to. But I just don't ever see Italy being like the complete aggressor from like the kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just not something we're, we're used to seeing. And I think it's because like once like, like you said, Immobile, for example, once he performs well in Lazio and like he's playing against obviously guys that aren't world-class talent all the time, he shines and he plays yeah. really, really well. But then once he gets like, once he goes against like class defenders, like a Van Dyke or, you know, defenders for England or Spain and everything, it's like, that's when he kind of shuts down a little bit and finds it hard to, to penetrate. Yeah. Um. But we're an English podcast, so let's get on. <laughs> we're an EPL podcast.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I was
1: <laughs> going to say that, you know, I think a lot of the tournament had to do with
2: Donnarumma also just...
1: Yeah, huge.
2: Like, he came up big for us even a few times against Belgium. I just yeah. remember that save he made against De Bruyne. Um, so a lot of credit has to go to him because I don't know if he would have won with the amount of chances that other teams had against us.
1: Yeah, he's the keeper of the tournament, I think. Player of the tournament, I think. Player, player yeah. tournament? The full all-around player, player tournament? Yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah. Not to mention he like was a stud in the PKs, too. Yeah. <laughs> that has, probably has nothing to do with it. <laughs> probably. Um, moving on to uh, Liverpool and Porto. I put here in the notes that Liverpool just keeps rolling. I mean, They're 5-0 and in Champions League right now in the group mm-hmm. stage. Uh, 15 goals for, 5 against. And I don't see them slowing down at all. They could rest everybody if they want to in last game, which they might actually do. And uh, yeah, I'll you know, still finish top of the group.
2: So big question. Did Tiago's uh, goal? did the ball hit the ground before it went in? I watched that on a replay quite a few times, and I, I,
1: <laughs> I don't, don't think, think it did.
2: I think it might have like grazed the grass, but I don't think that's why. like even if it did, I don't think that's why it had the lift on it at the end. No. Yeah, beauty, I, I agree. I yeah, it was I, like I agree with Joe. It's probably one of the nicest goals I've ever seen in my life. Just with even looking at it from uh, like profile view, like not from the back, just at the speed that he hit it and just how it like glided across the ground. It was
1: amazing. It's just (laughs) like the most pure strike you could ever have. (laughs) Yeah. Like legit. And why are we watching it again?
2: So good to see. Um, (sighs) Yeah. Just through the guy's legs and then just,
1: you know, it's. it has like
2: all the uplift of a shot that goes over the net, but it just stayed on the ground
1: like well, no like spin. a too, few man. inches
2: off the a few inches yeah. off the ground just the whole way. it was amazing
1: it was like minimal spin, yeah, it was just like it was just doing one of these, yeah, it was like the like the world Cup 06 ball like the <laughs> no, yeah. the
2: one that no one knew where
1: it was like <laughs> going yeah what was it United I figure it was called now what was it called it I had remember- a name. Was yeah, the Jabulani that? was the yeah, South Jabulani Africa. Jabulani. That yeah. one was pretty cool too. But like that one in 06, like when Italy won. Yeah. I think I'll never forget that ball, obviously. Yeah. But when Italy won, oh sorry, when in that uh World Cup, like we got a couple of those balls for our, our team that we played with. And like you hit that pure with your laces and it, it's hundred percent true. Like that yeah. ball, the goalkeeper had no idea where it was going half the time. Yeah. Like it didn't happen every single time, but like when you catch it pure, it's literally like mm-hmm. shaking like this in the air. You can see it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I miss that. <laughs> I mean it's just like a pure strike. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good been for a minute. I mean, he's uh I don't know if you saw he was like linked back to Barcelona. He's like, No, I'm staying at Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I yeah, for I heard him. that. Which of is good. Times. I love I love seeing just the commitment, right? Yeah. I mean, of all times to go to Barcelona, right now is not one of them. No, yeah. I mean, leave Liverpool to go to Barcelona. Barcelona's
2: <sighs> a bad, too. and that's what I mean. Like, I know, like, really, you could say, yeah, like English Premier League is the most competitive than maybe Spain, but like, you know, maybe Spain's more competitive than the Bundesliga, but Bayern Munich would crush the La Liga right now.
1: Yeah, they would dominate. The yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. I don't when know I am on here for Real, <laughs> yeah, in Barcelona.
1: When I when I look at like top, like if I was to rank top um leagues in Europe, I wouldn't look at just like obviously like how dominant the winners are, I guess. Like I wouldn't look at I wouldn't look at the Bundesliga and be like, oh Bayern Munich's like always winning. That's like the top league. It has to be depth. Yeah. Like it has to be like if you were look at, you know, match results from every single week and you see, oh wow, like a, a 16 team beat a four or a 12 yeah. beat a two or something like that. That's how you kind of have to look at things because it can't just be the top three win every single game, and there's no like parody in the in the league. Yeah, right. That's where I see like England being super competitive that way, because we've seen it time and time again. You know, a, a Burnley can go ahead and beat Man City on like a wild day. Yeah, like you never really see like Real Madrid against I can't even name like a last place team. Osasuna? I don't know. <laughs> like and, yeah. Levante. Yeah, Levante. Somebody. You know, you don't really see that. Uh, too too often in the other leagues so i think just the com- all-around competitiveness and also like where the teams finish at the end of the year like points wise it's always pretty close yeah like if you look at like the bottom six from relegation and the top five or something for for trying to get to europe and then like that whole middle tier in england it's all interchangeable with like two three points yeah other leagues it's like Very really true. disconnected and it's just not as um close i guess from yeah. a competitive standpoint yeah, yeah, I agree, and you know, I think that's
2: why we watch Premier League, and why I think it's you know said to be probably the most exciting league in the world. Um, so yeah, that's why that's why it's an English podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were smart with we'd love what to we would we love to
2: see Watford just crush Manu and then not know what happens week week in week out.
1: Well, speaking of Manu,
2: <laughs> after, Man
1: uh, <laughs> after the after the uh firing. Uh, Michael Carrick, his first game back, his first game involved with the, uh, the first team was in the Champions League game against Villarreal. 2-0 victory. Did you guys watch this one? Uh, no, I didn't watch this one, but caught the end of it, I think. Yeah, same here. I caught the last 25-30 like, minutes. Um, I don't know what the goalie <laughs> was thinking on that one <laughs> when all those scored. Like, yeah. They were given a gift because like, this game was pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, this game was yeah. a back-and-forth one where I think it could have gone either way. There's another match where like, De Gea kind of came up big in times that like we would have seen before in the past. Maybe he would not make the save. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of kept United in it, and it was just kind of a back-and-forth battle. And then the goalie for Villarreal just unfortunately turns it over. Or he played a bad pass, that's what it was. He, he didn't turn it over. Yeah. He made a bad pass, kind of put the defender in a bind there, and then Ronaldo just lifts one over top. Cheeky little finish. Yeah. Um, Kind of an undeserved goal at the time. And then, (laughs) uh, and then Sancho scored too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, huge, huge for Sancho, especially with the goal,
2: uh, he scored, uh, this weekend. Um, but yeah, I just hope they keep this up because I know, you know, a lot of times you change management. A team usually comes out on like a high, be like, they have all this new energy with all the changes going on and kind of like this hope for a better future. So I just hope they can kind of keep this up and, uh, Stick with their change in management that they're moving towards, um, and they can just get some consistency back in their results. Because obviously, it's been a roller coaster ride for you know so many years, basically yeah. since Sir Alex left. Well, I know with who they brought in, um, he the plan is he's going to be interim uh, till the end of the season. So we'll see who they bring in after that. But no, I agree. I think they have to stick. <laughs> They need su- they have to bring someone in that they have confidence in that'll you know you know maybe they make Champions League next season um, with the new manager because I don't think they will this season but just to have like mm-hmm. some sort of patience and like give someone on the benefit the doubts like build the squad they want rather than just like oh you're in fifth six games into the 2022 season we're gonna have to let you go <laughs> or whatever it's gonna be because yeah. that's how you're gonna turn into. Uh, like Arsenal and Liverpool, just like trading managers trying to go get back to the glory days. You just have to pick your guy, kind of like how City and Liverpool did, and then just give them time. Because like really, Klopp and Guardiola didn't have the most ideal first season when they no. Guardiola's like, Guardiola's first season Guardiola Guardiola had like a, like a punch in the face when he came to the EPL. Like he was trying to system, it wasn't working. I think they were I forget where they finished. I like think maybe they just got into Champions League, but yeah, gotta give them time.
1: Yeah, he when he arrived, it was like almost. EPL title or bust is what people were thinking, but like yeah. it took him a while to get adjusted to the English game, but God, once he did, everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, changed well, the game from <laughs> yeah. that I point out
2: yeah, he just changed the entire
1: the entire game right and yeah. now look everyone every played, team
2: every, play, every team plays from the back yeah, yeah, they're all trying to play the way man City plays now, so you got to give someone time right, especially if you're if you believe they're the best
1: person for the job, you have to give them the time they deserve to prove you right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. From the last point I'll make from the Villarreal game was in a uh, United game was even though that this was Carrick's first game in charge and obviously he didn't have too, too much time to make any adjustments. I did see a different, not style in the way that yeah, United was playing, but they did seem more balanced. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like they were trying so hard to attack, attack, attack. And then they were like really left open and exposed on defense. Yeah. Or it's not like they were defending the whole game and they had no chances to, to make anything happen um, going forward. It was a very balanced game that they played, which we don't really see too often because it's one or the other. It's usually yeah. they're getting just dominated and they can't do anything, or they're just attacking the whole time. And then they get scored on like counterattacks and they give away cheap goals. Yeah. This game is very real. And also, I'll talk about it with the game with Chelsea this weekend. They seemed just more leveled. And just balance mm-hmm. them the way that they're playing. They weren't trying to do too much. Yeah. And they weren't leaving themselves exposed at the back. So like obviously Carrick was only gonna have the two games. Um, it looks like. But I mean to come away with a two and all record, that's not that bad. Yeah.
2: 100 yeah. percent record as a as a menu manager is best record. Yeah, you can retire now <laughs> and have 100
1: percent win efficiency. Yeah, that's it.
2: <laughs> Quit well I exactly. mean, I was a little and I heard uh was it, Roy Keane talk about it. He's like But, like, where was this when Ole was managing? I mean, you know, how much did Carrick really change or did the players kind of, like, throw Ole under the bus and just, like, not really believe in anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I was reading. That happens, right? I mean, and it's kind of unfortunate as, like, a team. Like, what? It's like, oh, the manager, like, we don't really know what the manager is doing. But, like, the effort they were putting in was just, like, not there. And then it's like, oh, he's gone. It's like, okay, now we're going to, like, it's, like, your job to, like, go out and do it for the fans but just like you know it's not like Carrick wasn't not there or whatever (laughs) you know he was still at Man U so it's not like you know he shook too many things up Mm -hmm. so it's kind of unfortunate to see like oh they had to wait for Ole to go before they put in like these kind of performances but
1: yeah like I was reading a few things and they were saying how I guess like Rashford was kind of like the PR person for United (laughs) <laughs> he was making like a lot of the headlines and he was making the rounds with interviews. And he was saying how like they miss Ole and how like it sucks basically that he's gone. And I think from like, I think just from reading that narrative, like I think Ole was a very much like a player's manager. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think he everyone liked him to be honest. Like in, inside the club, I think he was like a good manager for the players, but he, I don't think he was hard on them enough. Yeah. He, he, like I could not see him. You know, going at a halftime, they're down one nil, two nothing to somebody, and him giving off like a fireball speech, you know, to like get the guys rallied up. I can't see him doing that. I can't see him pointing out somebody like Maguire or, yeah, Ronaldo for that matter, to like tell him like he's doing something wrong and he has to be better. I can't see him doing that. And again, kind of in a much different way, but like in the same sense that Juve is in a transition period right now. Different dynamics, I guess, but. I can't see them, like, having... like I, They have to have someone who can go in there now and, like, give the players shit, who can get the yeah. best from the young players, who can get the best from the older players, bring them all yeah. together, and, like, make them a good side. Because, again, they're still an individual team, I think. Yeah. And yeah. the last two games, they kind of showed, like, what they can do if they play more determined and more physical. And I think that's going to play well with the um, coaching style that the new manager is, is going to bring into the fold.
2: Yeah yeah i mean based on his uh his like how he likes to play and what his playing and manager style is um kind of looking forward to see what he does especially with his preference to uh to younger players and Mm -hmm. see what greenwood um sancho and all those guys can
1: do yeah um before we get into that before we talk about night's new manager just want to say that you guys can always follow us on youtube um, you can search us for, search us at footy fans, P H A N S, and find the video. Always like and subscribe, please. It does a huge uh, boost for the channel. And you can also find us on Twitter at footy, at footy underscore fans on Twitter and at footy fans podcast on Instagram, too, for all your breaking news and footy fans updates. Um, yeah, so this Ralph Rangnick guy. Ralph Ragnik ralph <laughs> Ragnik. um i can probably say for all of us here on footy fans that we don't know everything nope and we'll be the first to come out and admit it if we're wrong and don't know everything i don't know who this guy was no <laughs> i i
2: recognize his face i didn't know yeah like same
1: here Like i, I definitely know. seen of i've seen him before
2: yeah but like, yeah. if
1: you give me like uh you know Like a headline list of like who these players are and who the who this manager is, I wouldn't be able to put a name to him. Um, so probably like many people over the last uh, week or so, I did a pretty big deep dive on this guy. Yeah. Um, United signed him. I won't say everything, but just uh, get some quick information about him. United signed him on this past weekend to be their interim manager for the next six months up until May, and then he has a two-year consulting. Um, slash, like, advisor role that he's gonna um, be with the team afterwards, which I think is good. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I looked at this guy's like, track record of what he's done basically over almost a 40 year coaching career, and especially for what he's done with the uh, Red Bull Zalt, uh, Salzburg and RB Leipzig teams in Austria and in Germany, um, coming at it from an executive standpoint. Like he basically took Mm -hmm. these teams from the ashes and brought them up to, you know, the top flights in their respective leagues, um, over just, you know, an eight year period. Yeah. So, um, quickly Ralph Ragnick, he's a German manager, um, started coaching in 1983 at just the age of 25, Um his first top flight job was with Stuttgart in 1999. Um, he helped Hoffenheim get out of the third division in Germany into the Bundesliga two in 2006. And then his first league with them in Bundesliga two, he got them promoted to like the main Bundesliga um, league in two thousand seven. So he went from literally the third tier team in Germ- third tier league in Germany, up to the Bundesliga in just two seasons. Yeah, um, hasn't had much domestic success as far as trophies. Um, he never had a big crack with Bayern Munich, and like we said before, if, if you're in Germany and you're not coaching Bayern Munich, you don't really have any chance at any trophies in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah it's tough right <laughs> right like he was able to you know bring teams that no one really had heard of or teams that were underperforming or achieving and bring the best out of those teams by bringing yeah. in a new playing strategy and by getting the best of his players so I mean from a United standpoint you're that's music to your ears Yeah, because that's all you basically want out of your side
2: yeah for sure and I mean it's it is one thing to you know get teams promoted you know obviously that's a massive battle um you know winning trophies though in the top flight is you know probably the hardest thing you're ever going to do because yeah. you're competing with the top players all around the world so that's that's like the the last 100 feet in a mountain climb that's the hardest right yep so we'll we'll see i mean you know obviously with his interim position um and then consulting after I don't know if he based on what his consulting thing is gonna be, if he can put in a strategy that would help whoever is gonna be Manu's manager get to the top, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, um, whoever, whoever they do bring in. Um, you know, granted, if he <laughs> I think if he gets Manu into Champions League and makes them competitive again, you know, maybe there's a situation where they offer him the job, but whoever they do bring in, they have to believe they're as good as Tuchel, Klopp, and Guardiola. Otherwise, they're just gonna have the same same thing happen next year. Um, but I could see Menu fans getting very frustrated if they bring in like a Brendan Rodgers or whoever it might be. I, I think they're not gonna be satisfied unless they bring someone in that's won a trophy before. Otherwise, they're just gonna feel like you just brought someone else in and like who, yeah. like what are they gonna do? Uh, not, that's
1: a good point. Like, they don't want to have, like, their team right now is unproven. And yeah. The last thing they mm-hmm. want is an unproven manager leading an unproven team. Yeah. Because, right. then like, your goals are kind of different. Like, you still want to, like, at that point, I think, obviously, the main goal, and everyone's going to say the main goal is to win and to have trophies. But I feel like if you're an unproven manager, an unproven player, or a team, for that matter, you're still, like, trying to prove yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that might get in the way of, like, the long-term goal. Does that make sense? Um, Like kind of like personal success rather than like team success. Whereas like if you're if you're a manager who's already won, again we always bring up Ancelotti or something or Zidane has won in in uh, La Liga. They've already won. Like yeah, they haven't won in England, but they've already won. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, at that point, they just want to win for the club. They want to win for the team. They don't have to prove themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. So. A, a coach like that, a manager like that would be, you know, ideal to bring in. It's just they have to come to United knowing that they're not going to come to the United that we're accustomed to seeing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're going to win like right away. Yeah, they could. I mean, they could bring, you know, bring in some player out of nowhere. They could just have the team gel like like from the gate. But like more likely than not, it's going to be a growing period and they have to put that time in. I don't know if, like, if established banners want to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like obviously the name of Manchester United like brings a pedigree of itself, so it's like
2: it's a big, it's just it's tough. Like, it's a tough. It's a tough spot. Big, it's like honestly, it's like man, like you're you got to be the guy that brings Manu back to like the glory days. Tax a lot, of pressure. Titles. It's <laughs> a lot like, of
1: pressure. It's
2: probably like the most intimidating job for like anyone to take on because like the standard is like you got to be get back to being competitive with Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. you have to like and win winning. A title. Yeah, yeah. Good it's luck. Expectation is winning Premier League and Champions League. Yeah. So how like do you relatively soonish? <laughs> how do you take that team? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, we want to, we want to be back winning the league and getting in Champions League finals.
1: <laughs> Got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, with this
2: team. <laughs> Got a long way to go.
1: Yeah, and they yeah. want it now. Like, yeah. Come on, boys. So. We'll see. Um, it's really,
2: it's really intimidating. That's you know. So we'll see who steps up to take it, but.
1: Well, that's why I thought Eddie Howe, I know we talk about it from United and from Newcastle standpoint, but I thought Eddie Howe would be a good job, a good fit for them. But then I was like, ah, he hasn't really, really won anything.
2: Yeah, like yeah. He, he didn't go up against City and like, yeah. be the guy that like wins games against City consistently. It's going to be tough.
1: Like, I think he would have been in a good spot if they would never do this. But let's say like the United brass came out and said, okay, we're hiring Eddie Howe but don't expect anything to happen in the next four years. <laughs> like if they're just to accept like, the narrative, like right away and maybe he could have had a better shot. Cause I think he's going to be team. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. They would never do that. Yeah. I think he, he would be a good manager at developing a team. Um, and then like, getting mm-hmm. the best out of players, but obviously he went to Newcastle and that's, that might be a different story for, <laughs> for Newcastle. And for me, maybe I said I was going to buy a Jersey. Oof. I said, I was going to buy a Jersey if they did qualify or did not qualify. If they if they stay up, you gotta buy a jersey. Okay, that might be that might be a hundred dollars uh, richer after the after the season. I though. don't know if they're gonna yeah.
2: stay up. I, really I don't know.
1: Been. Um, the, looking at the game this weekend, I don't know anymore. I can't go Honestly, back on what I said. I will be honest and truthful, but I. I mean, they didn't, yeah. they didn't play very good.
2: I wonder what the clause like if there's a clause with the team that or the owners that bought Newcastle. <laughs> they have to stay in the Premier league. Like, they're six points out of the relegation zone. And
1: That's it's just really two bad. wins, though. That's just I two think, wins. Are they, they, they going to get
2: two wins? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Nor- a win, yes. Norwich you know, won game. How,
2: it depends how much money they can spend in January, right? Based on, like, financial fair play. I'm telling um, you, they're going to spend a boatload. If they Come can. On. I mean, they can only spend so much. Um, we'll see who they bring in. That's going to be... Because, you know, honestly yeah what what's what is it it's usually 30 ish points you're safe so you need to get what like seven seven eight wins to close out the season and you're safe can newcastle get seven or eight wins or maybe you know four wins and you know tons of draws i don't know it, it's going to be really tough. I don't know what's tougher, man, you qualifying for Champions League or Newcastle staying up. It's probably pretty close. But I th- I feel like whatever they're able to do in January, that's going to be the telltale sign because I don't see them staying up with the team they have now. Mm-hmm. But with the new ownership, they, who knows who could, they, they could bring in. Um, so I think after January, we're going to really see what their chances are.
1: Yeah, I just I look at the the standings here, and you said it's only six points from 17th, but I can see Leeds losing two games and Newcastle winning two games just like that, and then they're out. Mm-hmm. Like that could happen anywhere. Like I don't see both teams, you know, going on a huge run, but two wins is two wins, you know, back to back. Who's Newcastle got? Newcastle Newcastle Norwich and then Burnley. So if they're going to do it, it's in the next two weeks. They have to do it two games. <laughs> they they have to beat won. them.
2: They have to yeah. win. Honestly, i probably do have to win both those games.
1: Yeah, we said it before. You have to win the games. You have to win. <laughs>
2: you, like, you no matter know, what like,
1: spot on the table you're at, you have to beat Norwich. Like if, you, if, if
2: they, honestly, if they, because uh, I was looking at the past tables, um, you know, teams had like five or so wins and they still get relegated. <laughs> I know it's still early in the season, but if you lose to Burnley, and Norwich, on the first, uh, yeah, obviously this is the first time they played those two. <laughs> the two teams you're competing against stay up. Lose to both of them on the first round and stuff. <laughs>
1: Looking back, I probably should have made the bet if they do not make it out of relegation, then I'll buy a jersey. Because now it's like, if they don't get out of relegation, eh. (laughs) like, but if they do get out, I'm like, oh shit.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I should should,
1: should have made the other way.
2: Well, yeah, because then you'd be a troop fan because you have a Newcastle jersey and they'd be in the second tier. Exactly. (laughs) Who has a second tier
1: jersey nowadays? (laughs) But I'll wait till they go in the second tier, then I'll buy it so it's cheaper. Yeah.
2: That I know f- what that strategy.
1: Eh. Well, with shipping and everything, I remember that Balotelli jersey I talked about cost me yeah. 160 oh, yeah. bucks mm. because it was like you couldn't just go into the store here and like buy a Balotelli jersey. Mm-hmm. So I had to buy it by the Manchester City website, get it customized to make it Balotelli, and then mm-hmm. shipping. Gotcha. Oi, yeah. I think shipping was like forty forty pounds, so like sixty five dollars shipping or something.
2: yeah Yeah. Oh, crazy. pricey, pricey well, nowadays. All the, I'll tell all the COVID though. issues with the yeah, I'm seeing it at work too. All the shipping delays and stuff like that. Really, yeah, really we don't got to get into that.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, it drives me nuts. Yeah. yeah, I have a few different issues about that <laughs> with shipping and and uh, supplies and productivity. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: oh yeah, supply chain is so messed up right now. Oh god, we got a, a client doing. <laughs> client sells barbecues and he's like, I "Have to stop." Like it's just crazy. <laughs> He's like six, six like a year to get stuff. <laughs> stuff to a year to get a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, honestly.
1: He's gonna get twenty twenty barbecue, twenty twenty barbecue. solid twenty three.
2: Yeah. No, actually, though.
1: <laughs> two it's years. Already, it's two already year, out of date
2: two Yeah, two year lead time for shipping on a barbecue out of date. It's honestly like nine months. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. We're dealing with it right
1: now. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Um. The last. Uh, the last thing I'll talk about with. The credentials for Ragnick is that um, just in, in effect with RB Leipzig. Uh, I mentioned before how he brought Hoffenheim out. Of, oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, Hoffenheim out of Division Three in uh, Germany. He brought RB Leipzig out of Division Four in Germany to the Bundesliga, and I think they finished second and third in the two seasons that he was there as a coach. Um, sure. in the uh, in the top flight, and he qualified for Champions League twice. Yeah. The side that he brought from Tier Four, yeah. so this kind of yeah. just goes into again saying how he's able to develop players, young players, and this falls in line with his coaching style and his style of play, with the gegen-pressing strategy, mm-hmm. um, something gig that Klopp has been doing since he's been there at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, for all that you, for all that doesn't know. Gegenpressing is a strategy that requires players to apply pressure on their opponents high up the pitch and in an aggressive and coordinated manner with the aim of forcing mistakes or turnovers. So this is what Klopp and Tuchel have adopted. Um, obviously, being German, they're very uh, familiar with this style of play. And according to um, the history of like this playing style, Ragnick is one of the first guys that really like introduced this and kind of created this style of play back in the 80s and 90s. Um, when he was coaching like youth teams, he didn't get a full, um, first team job until 1999, but leading up to that point, he was coaching, you know, under 19 teams. Um, he actually had, uh, Tuchel at Stuttgart under 19 in the 1992 season. So he was a manager of mm-hmm. Tuchel um, when he was just a kid. And so from that point on, like Tuchel always, you know, was familiar with his style of play. Um, and basically just turns defending into attacking. Yeah, Um, causing errors, causing turnovers, Um, and like in places of the field where it's beneficial. Like if you cause a turnover in your own third, to whatever. Yeah. With this style of play and like being more aggressive, obviously if you can cause a turnover in the other team's third or you know close to half, then you're obviously in a better position to to attack with. And I mean, again with United and the youthfulness that they have with their players. I mean, it's going to be huge if Ragnar can bring the best out of players like Santo said, like Rashford and Sancho, and Greenwood, mm-hmm. with this style of play, which is very different than how they were playing before with uh, mm-hmm. with Ole. Yeah, yeah, I think
2: I think this could really suit them. Um, the one key they're going to have to focus on is what do they do if it gets penetrated? Because you know, City they they high press and they high press really well, but if if it somehow does get penetrated. City still doesn't look vulnerable because they have Rodri there, Fernandinho, and their their D can handle it. Um, you have Kyle yeah. Walker who you know catches up to anyone, and then you have center backs whoever it's going to be in the city rotation usually um, does pretty well with cleaning anything up. So the one concern I have is if it does get penetrated, then you got Fred yeah. or McTominay. You have Juan Bissaka. Um They could be really vulnerable there. So it'd be interesting to see how effective it actually is. Yeah. Because you can, you, sorry, you can win it over. Um, but then what kind of possession are you going to keep in that third once you win it over? Yeah. Right. Because you need that creativity to create those chances, even if you only have a few guys pressing. So we'll see. And that's a dangerous thing. Cause I know a lot of teams are doing the high press now, and a a lot of teams don't even do it against City anymore. Cause especially with when you have someone like, um, the goalie that they do have, Ederson, um, they break through the high press so easily; it's insane sometimes. Yeah, and it's just they're on they're on a rush, and you know if Manu does do that, oh, it'd be scary to see City on an odd man rush, and they just got to get past like McTominay and Fred, and they got like McGuire yeah. and Lindelof to like break through. That'd be yeah. a little dangerous. Um, that's why you, <laughs> in January they need a CDM or someone or something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think with the Gagan pressing coaching style, I think I think it only suits certain teams in certain games and situations. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I guess a I Man City, I don't think they would do that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, not. maybe in. See, this is this is why I find strange. You only signed a six-year deal, so or six-month deal. So, whoever they bring in, Ragnar is obviously going to be influential with who they bring, like who they bring in it like wouldn't surprise me he's the one that makes the decision because I think he's yeah. basically signing on as like the executive like of the of the club kind of like what you. Daniel Levy is with Tottenham. like he's like he's like kind of like pulling the strings and like doing everything he's not the owner he's not like the manager but he's just kind of in charge of everything because um, was actually just at Locomotive Moscow doing the exact same role as like an executive um, just like kind of pulling the strings behind the team so I think whoever yeah. he brings in obviously has to I would assume, have the same kind of playing style that he's going to bring in the in the next six months. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like if they play against a Man City or Liverpool, they probably won't do this playing style. But if you're going out there against a Norwich and a Southampton, like, obviously, go for it. Yeah. You're going to learn it in training. You're going to practice it in training all the time. Maybe in two years from now, they can perfect it and go against Liverpool and, and try it out. But I think we're going to see them you know, strategize more per game, per situation than what they're doing now. Because I think now they just go out there and play. Yeah. Like the last two games under Carrick, like I said, I think it was more balanced and it was more like, okay, let's not go out of attack. Let's not go out defend. All defend. Let's kind of just keep everything balanced and neutral. And then obviously suiting them well. Um, but I think now with Ragnar coming in, He's just gonna have like more of like a level head on his shoulders and like understand the limitations of the teams. I don't think Ola even understood limitations of the team. Yeah, I think it was just like he's, I think he just thought like we're 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 a really good team. We have good players. We're just gonna go out there and, and play really well and win. But you you were limited with what you had. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Again, like I don't think it was totally his fault those limitations. Mm-hmm. But he was just working with what we had, and it wasn't good enough ragnick now i think will get the better performance out of his players and i'm not saying he's going to turn the team around in six months and like they're going to be you know top two like, i don't think that's i don't think it's realistic but i think we're just going to see a more competitive team and like, yeah. i think we said about it last podcast or before united just needs bite they need grit and they need players that like want to be there mm-hmm. they need players that are going to fight they need players that are going to be determined and like be aggressive And I think just from reading this guy's credentials and like what he brings to the teams he manages, I think he's gonna be the perfect guy for their team. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. I look forward to it and hoping that he can kind of bring manu back so we can get more competitiveness with the top teams because you know, we've said this countless times. The the is better when the top teams are actually performing well Mm -hmm. and you don't have a revolving door at like the massive clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Would I see, it would be nice to see them Tottenham and even Leicester. <laughs> Can't even talk about Arsenal. Arsenal going to make Champions League, probably. Um, Man, oh, surprise team Leicester of the year. Back to up to speed would be good.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to talk about the game then today, uh, the big one, Manchester United versus Chelsea. I didn't know that he wasn't going to be there. I thought he might actually be in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, not coaching. I don't think he's going to be coaching yet, but I don't even yeah. think he made an appearance at the game or they didn't show him. But uh, I mean, going to this one, going to this game, I thought Chelsea, United, they're in shambles. Yeah. I can't win 3 0. Not the case. No. Um, oh. Just a
2: solid game. It uh, was from a neutral perspective. Just it really, was. Really solid game. Had drama a little bit back and forth chances and it was good it was really fun to watch um but i mean, br- I, mean I don't man, you had like two chances and they took one of them the one by uh fred was not great
1: oh my god just on that got a GIF and just wondered yeah. that
2: one but yeah. honestly i think this is like a weird i thought it was actually a weird game because chelsea like really had a lot of the ball had a way more of the momentum i don't know if you, i kind of like that oracle tracker uh thing that they have like uh, attacking threat yeah <laughs> this is so in chelsea's favor and i know who was i was watching hearing someone talk about it um you know i think with chelsea they created so much but couldn't finish and i guess there's some you know controversy about the way Kara came out after the game it's like oh like yeah we played well and like it was good to see us uh fight or uh come back after the week we had but like Really, I think if the manager who's coming in is like as good as he is, he's going to look at that and be like, you know, we have to change a bunch of stuff. Because if Rudu scores at the end, it's just another situation where Manu lost, but they got completely dominated in the, season, yeah. in the second mm-hmm. half. Wow. Well, yeah, it was like he even showed corner with 13 to 2? Yeah, <laughs> 13 to 2. And no, oh, yeah, it's more than that. It
1: was I think it was at least 16.
2: Yeah, it was like 16. Yeah, I think around like 70 something minute, it was 13. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So just. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's why people were. I think, like I said, um, that's the frustration around Man U. It's like, oh, this is like a good performance, getting dominated, but eking out a point. Um, very, very tough. Um, yeah, it is true. I mean, the fact that they didn't get crushed like they did against Liverpool and City, um, but I think whoever comes in is gonna have to look at this and be like, you know, this is Man United. <laughs> we can't be like going against Chelsea and eking out a point.
1: Mm-hmm. So I just, I just think from like from United standpoint, they have to like pull victories when they can. And like yeah. they did defend well. Yeah. Which. Like, I mean, it's like Chelsea, yeah, they had a lot of chances, but like the quality of chances weren't outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's not like the Haya
2: had to come up like against city and make all these spectacular things. Right. Like he was,
1: yeah. Like there were a couple like, yeah, he had to make a save on it, but they were kind of expected. I mean, mm-hmm. and then I think Chelsea just kind of hurt themselves on their own. Yeah. yeah. Like obviously, with the goal, like when Giorgino. <laughs> Giorgino. <laughs> <Ball laughs> tries a The skill test. Yeah. The he skilled, did the skill test. Was. I, I saw that and I was like, skill test. Like, I called it, like, during the game. Yeah. Yes. The ball four feet away. kicked him mild in the air. I love how he didn't even try to run back. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They show <laughs> like, the replay there. from, like, the back angle, and you see him just, like, looking at it, drops, and he just puts his head down. He's just, like, oh. Like, that's gone. Yeah. yeah. He just takes off. Um, imagine Sancho missed that because it was close, yeah. man. He didn't really, I know, Could he you didn't confidently finish that. Oh, that and if he, if he would have passed that to Fernandez, I think it was, he would have been offside. Yeah, I, th- I think it was Rashford, but I, I think, think was Fernandez. My, Maybe it was Rashford.
2: Well, yeah, but whoever it was, I mean, I think especially now, players are less keen to pass it. Because of the AR, like you're going to pass and realize like the guy's toe is offside. So yeah. I feel Ooh. like the the fact that you could like jockey uh, uh, Mendy and like make Mendy move first and just kind of like slide it in, that's probably the safer well, bet. Well, Rashford was like offside time. the whole run. I mean, I wouldn't have, I, if I was Sancho, I would be looking at Rashford. I was like, you're still offside. Yeah, he like, was <laughs> ahead, ahead of him. He was basically offside until he shot it.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I was like, like they showed him the angle, I think from like the side almost as if they were to like do a VAR call, a VAR call. Like they showed like that camera and he was like two feet ahead of him. Yeah. I'm like, what the are you whole, doing? Like if you pass that. Like, Back up. I probably would have yeah. passed that. I mean, having a guy wide open like that, I probably would have passed that. Just like me. But like, yeah. he was offside. Like, yeah, can you I imagine? Like actually... I would have passed
2: it too if I knew he was onside, but I would have looked over and be like, you're... F- four feet ahead of me. <laughs> like, oh, what are God. You so I gotta, so I gotta, yeah. What a blunder that could have been. Yeah. Could you, honestly, I was waiting for him to pass it. Rash oh, I,
1: thought I, I was like, what are you going like, to do? Like, what, like, he got close to Mendy. Mendy's only like a couple feet away by the time he put it past him. I'm like,
2: what are you doing? And it was only yeah. like probably like six inches uh, oh, like to, the, to the left of his foot. So it was tight. But I mean, he finished it. So you got to give him credit. Um, any goal that goes in mostly is, you know, you would take incredible. Yeah, I think that's um, his first Premier League goal. I think, yeah,
1: first Premier League goal and the yeah. first Champions League goal was in the week. Um, that Champions League was a banger. Champions, yeah. if he went like bar down. Yeah. No reason, but yeah. <laughs> um, Jorginho obviously though made it up. Yeah, late in the, late in the game there, uh, um, 69th minute, Thiago Silva wins a PK. I still get nervous when he sets, sets up to take the uh, take the shot because I he mean, goalies well that, but goalkeepers like they learn right they pick up people's tendencies yeah and like that little hesitation he does i'm just waiting for the time it like looks stupid and doesn't work mm-hmm. for him but luckily in this case it worked yeah I mean, for my I'm, case
2: yeah and he, to be fair he hit it harder like the one against spain that actually went in like he hit that super soft and just rude awesome. the goalie <laughs> the one in the final that he missed was still pretty soft if he would have hit it like he hit it um against Man U today i think it probably would have went in but I don't know if he's kind of like changing up his style since he missed in Euro because he's he's doing, be a good the, idea. The, yeah, he's doing the stutter, but he's just hitting it a lot harder, which, again, I don't know why as a striker you don't just like rip one to the bottom corner. Or, you know, if you're a pro, like how McGuire, McGuire's PK against Italy, I think is, I don't know why pros all can't hit a PK like that. You know, just know. hit a top corner, like a goalie's not going to save that yeah um hit it so, hard like just yeah just just line up your your pk takers practice and just make sure they can all hit it like that but um it's so risky i mean you can just sky one over the net yeah but you know credit to Jorginho. i mean if he would have missed his day would have been terrible so it takes guts to kind of go and take the pk after it was your responsibility that they scored
1: yeah it was yeah. a confident finish like he did go side mesh like he hit it mm-hmm. nice yeah um so yeah, that game obviously finished one-one. Uh, takeaways from that, uh, some positive ones from my look from my standpoint is that uh, Werner started the game, so we mm-hmm. got him back, and then uh, Lukaku came on as a substitute in the 81st minute, so he made his first appearance um, since I think November, beginning of November. Yeah, um, he's been out for almost a whole month uh, due to Champions League. He got hurt against Malmo and uh, I think he missed at least four or five EPL games and I think two or three Champions League games in that time period. So good to see him back. Um, Obviously, he didn't really get any chances or create anything in 10 minutes or so. Werner had a couple he could have put away. That's my guy. I know. Uh, It's
2: going to be tough uh, come Christmas. Uh, If Chelsea... If Lukaku and Werner don't... You know, start banging in some goals. I do think we're gonna have a change at the top. The way, just the way Liverpool and City have been, you know, crushing games. I feel like Chelsea are gonna drop maybe one or two. Uh, so we'll see. I, I am getting the feeling though, either City or Liverpool gonna to be top around Christmas. Um, just because, like we said before, if if Lukaku and Werner are both out, you know, I think it's gonna be very tough for them to stay stay up there.
1: Chelsea does lacks that. Like, there's that deadly, lethal threat, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, with Lukaku and Werner, like, Werner, I don't really consider to be, like, a lethal threat, but Lukaku, I do. But when they're both not playing when they're both off, they have to rely on outside players. Yeah. But it's not like they have, like, one guy where it's, like, he could be the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it might be this one guy. Or it might, like, they have many players that can't score, obviously, like Havertz and Reese James and... I think Chillwell might be out for six weeks now, six to eight weeks with an injury. But Chillwell was like killing it for them on that wing position. Uh, Mason Mount, obviously. But it's like, if one of those guys aren't going, then they look to another guy. But if he's not going, then they look to another guy. And it's like, they can only get like one goal, it seems, out of those guys. Yeah. And if like none of them are working that day, then they can't do anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where like you see Man City, and they can just obviously put anybody in like... Like Gounault can score. Hazy's not had uh, Gabriel Jesus can score. Foden can score. Like Maris
2: was playing the false nine. It's like, it's so weird. They have like six, eight or nine players that yeah. can really play anywhere between the, like the front two midfielders or the front three.
1: Yeah. But they're lethal. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's my point. Yeah, like, they so they crazy. score. They score on the chance. Like, I think the definition of like a lethal goal scorer is like you convert the chances when you get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, more than fifty percent. I'd yeah. say
2: yeah. and even Fernandinho today, you know, he got his one chance and he just like buried it, right? He yeah.
1: Bring on a sub. It was just simple. Yeah, um, so we'll we'll jump to that game now. So that's this so Chelsea, Manchester United finish one one. Um sorry, can we uh
2: before I want to get Andrew's take on the VAR paradox? Oh, the one oh I texted you. It's so cr- I saw that. <laughs> the most animated I think I've seen Tuchel in my life. For anyone yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, the VAR the paradox. Uh, <laughs> so with VAR, if you're offside and you score and they go to VAR and review it, it's like, oh, you're offside. Uh, no goal. In this case, Ronaldo, <laughs> which was nuts because he was so far offside. And obviously with the delayed flag, the linesman doesn't put it up to see if like it'll get called back if he scores. Ronaldo, about four or five feet offside, goes – Runs to the box, gets a corner out of it, but he was like clearly offside, but the linesman didn't put up his flag, and so Manu gets a corner out of it. So what? I could if have scored score from off the corner. I say could have scored on, and Tuchel was losing it. Yeah, losing on touchline. Yeah, nuts. I mean, so not offside if you went a corner, but offside if you scored. But if you score off the corner,
1: <laughs> it counts. It counts. <sighs> it's,
2: it's a weird. A,
1: it's a it's weird situation weird. because yeah. like. I don't want. I don't want everything to go to review. Yeah. Like I don't want to have like every single play be reviewed. But when it's something like that, clear cut, where like I think it was Anthony Taylor, was the referee today. If it's a review that Anthony Taylor does not have to go to, like the monitor and watch and look at, he can just get like a phone call say, hey, like that was offside. Oh, okay, offside.
0: Yeah. Like mm-hmm.
1: clearly. Like that's a missed. Yeah. That's a missed call. VAR is there to catch calls. VAR is there to yeah. catch referee mistakes. Obviously, the ones that they want to catch are the handballs, the penalties, the red cards, all those offenses. Mm-hmm. But look what could have came from a missed call today that wasn't VAR checked. Yeah,
2: and that's what I'm worried. I think it's stemming from the the delayed flag that the linesmen are told to do, which is the most
1: ridiculous thing. Yeah, know, it's the linesman in was
2: like, the oh, It was. It was like, the, for sure, the linesman saw that. I mean, 99%. He's like, oh, yeah, I was upside, but, like, I'll wait to go see if he scores because if he scores, it'll, like, get called back. And then he went to corner. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And that's I, you know? that's what I was thinking. Like, like how he wins a corner because it came, like, really quick. So, as a linesman, how do you raise your flag late? off them winning a corner it's like man you would be up in arms be like like okay we just won a corner but you're like it's offside the delayed flag thing is something i think they got to figure out for next season because it's yeah it's risking injuries too you have that's my big one these things yeah. right and it's 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 rough i think it's something they really got to fix yeah
1: well the, the referee's defense is that oh well, we don't want stop to the, stop the play too early because it might lead to a scoring chance and it might actually not be offside but those plays are like four feet offside yeah like clearly like if it's yeah, if it's close, yeah. But yeah. I mean, if
2: Ronaldo—if like it went to the thing, it's like, oh, it's tight. Then no one would have questioned it. It'd be like, oh, like he couldn't, like obviously, he couldn't known for sure. So you know, we'll see if they go- like, because I think people would understand it. Oh, well, it went back for review and Ronaldo's toe was offside, but they won a corner. It's like, well, they still did do work off the corner. Like you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But like, like I said, I don't want, I don't want the whole game to be like micromanaged to the a t. Yeah, but when it comes to something like to something like that, that should just be a quick like, oh, beep, beep, that was offside. Okay, sorry, that was offside. Like, no corner. This is funny
2: because two, I think two got so pissed because he was like right.
1: Oh, he was <laughs> right on the line. <laughs>
2: Probably in line with the linesman, in line yeah. with the last defenseman, and all those like forty nine feet to his left. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's linesman a... doesn't put it up. Yeah, that's the thing. Before VAR, the linesman got got those calls right, like ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Those were all right. You never saw that miss.
1: And this is the problem. This is the problem with VAR because now referees are getting their ass saved and they're scared to make calls. I think they've been directed where they're like,
2: if, in like, it's weird. I guess the rule is if you have to be 100% sure, but they're even telling them to let it go even if they're sure just in case. So I feel for the linesman. You're in like a no kind of win scenario. Like just let them. I would say make the calls unless use their discretion unless they think it's tight. Yeah. Right. Like why? Like that linesman is he? I I'm very confident that he knew it was offside, but he has to let it go, which sucks. So. Well, then just did. just put the
1: flag up after.
2: Yeah. I mean, I saw like in the city game, like, one of the linesmen made a great call. Like there was like deflection, but it came off Sterling and Mars was like it looked like only three or four feet offside, and he still put up his flag. Almost mm-hmm. Immediately, I don't know. Maybe it was missed. Maybe it just wasn't sharp, sharp, and he just <laughs> lost yeah. I that's
1: all it was. Maybe the guy was just sleeping. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, yeah. I I, I forget if it was a game I watched today or yesterday, but there was another offside where this yeah, I forget the game, but this guy was literally like eight or ten feet offside. Like it was like he was like a living room width offside, mm-hmm. and they let the game play on. Guy goes down and like. Like, this was almost like he got sent in from half. So he was offside yeah. almost from half. He goes in. Referee has no flag up. He goes in on the goalie, takes a shot, goalie makes a save, goes out for a corner kick, and then he puts the flag up. I was mm-hmm. like, he was so far off. And at least five seconds or five or six seconds played on afterwards until he put the flag up. And I was like, yeah. like raise your flag. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, This is so unnecessary. Like, it's so clear cut. It drives me nuts. Yeah, like I said, like obviously, one, it's just annoying (laughs) just to happen Mm -hmm. 2 you're risking injury. Three, it's annoying. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just put it up.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, agree. So, yeah, just with the Man City game, two one victors over West Ham, a game I thought would be more competitive, I guess, or more Mm -hmm. um, at each other's throats. Maybe the weather in Manchester has something to play with it. Maybe just a little. Oh man, do you guys see that? It's like a blizzard out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just wild weather. Started Couldn't even off see the ball. So yeah, started off pretty pretty gusty, a little, a little snowy, a little little snow on the ground, but then it was like it was yeah, it was almost by halftime, like a 35th minute or so. It was like mm-hmm. a white sheet snowing on the yeah. ground. Yeah. Like the balls even like a trail, like a like a line trail on in the in the snow, players' footprints on the ground. which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. because you can see like, yeah, the ball path, that. like when they make passes and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, even with all that happening, City was just like so dominant. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be like some sloppy plays and like wayward passes. But like with City, their first touch was like it's... such on point. Yeah. Like, no, there's no slippery ball at the foot. You know, their first touch didn't go five yards ahead because it came off their leg funny. Mm-hmm. Man, they just like in every facet yeah. of the game today, they were just dominant against West Ham.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The weather didn't phase him at all. It was just still the same. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty, I would say it was more open than I thought it was going to be at spells. Um, But uh, like Declan Rice had like a lot more possession and he was running with the ball a lot more than I thought he was going to be able to. Um, But still with like the 70% possession uh, on the first half by city. Still a pretty dominant performance, but um you know i th- I think this did show a little bit of vulnerable- vulnerability from man city just in the sense that they were so dominant but they were only up one 0 because it's it's one of those situations where we've seen it before where they're totally dominating game and then just one off chance that a team gets then they put it away and then all of a sudden city's scrambling because they're tied one one and they dominated this game and then they drop two points but you know, in this in this case, they, uh, they got the win. Um, it's kind of just saving a banger from <laughs> uh, yeah. Lanzini in the 94th yeah. minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've said it over and over again. I think that's why they do need a number nine. Um, just for these situations where they're dominating a the game. But I hate to see it when teams dominate and chances are dropping and they're just not finishing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you... If you want to be a especially if you're in these this many competitions, you need to be able to put games to rest by like the 60th or seventieth minute, yeah, and mm-hmm. give people rest or whatever it might be. But if you're dominating a game and it's still one nil and it's the eightieth minute, you know that's when that's when the team gets a counterattack and scores, and you're like, oh, drop two points, mm-hmm. whatever. But welcome,
1: ha- welcome to being a Chelsea fan the last two seasons. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Just not putting games to bed, man. Yeah. And like it's just leaving that door open just enough that mm-hmm. something stupid happens, like Jorginho yeah. doing a skill test and having to yeah. go 10 feet away. You're yep. that close away. You're one Jorginho skill test away from blowing a game. Yeah. And it's, yep. fru- it's frustrating because that's why you got to finish your chances when you get them. Yeah. And and no matter how many you, you get, no matter how many you get, like just, yeah. You get 16 shots on net, you got to put three in. Yeah.
2: And and yeah. that's the thing where Man City does register a lot of chances. It's, you know, maybe it is coming down to that whole missing a number nine scenario. Um, I don't know. I still feel like if they were to get, I don't see a lot changing in Pep's system if they were to get, uh, you know, quote unquote striker, he might still want to play a false nine. Again, I don't think this is his backup play for the season until they get a striker. So. We'll see. We'll see if they can just keep getting these kinds of wins and dominating games and winning by one goal or two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, City's so good. And we'll talk Liverpool next. Liverpool's so good, too. Whenever we talk about them on the show, it's like we're criticizing how good they are and how they should be better. Like almost every game, because yeah. they win almost every single game. Like, yeah. whenever we talk about them and do a recap, we're, we criticize how they should be better because we expect them yeah. to be better. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of unfair, but it's a it's well, a I mean, good it's like constructive how, criticism. Like we're they're so good that we want them to be better than what they're showing.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean with how tight with Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, with how tight it is gonna be at the top come the end of the league, I think if you know, whatever it might be, whether it's City getting a number nine or you know, Liverpool just hoping that <laughs> they no gets injured. The, no one gets injured. Um, no, because I like we keep saying they're they're Virgil Van Dyke and Mane injury away from not being able to win the league for sure. Mm -hmm. um Whereas City, I think even if they if Bernardo and Riyad Mahrez and Laporte and Walker all get injured, and even Gundogan, they could probably still put out an eleven that would still dominate. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll see what they do in January but I keep saying they do need a number nine, especially if they want to win Champions League as well. I think they're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I honestly think that they'll still be okay with that one, um, but I could be wrong. Maybe this is the year that Pep actually wins without having a striker and he kind of puts all his criticism or critics to bed.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like they got... And like that Ferdino strike was sick. It was a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. Good thing they got it clearly. Yeah. Um, like Lanzini. that. Yeah, that Lanzini goal was consolation. But like, I mean, if Ferndino didn't score that only you know, seven minutes prior, this game yeah. was tied up, and West Ham would have snatched this point out of nothing. Yeah, and that's and that's it, right? Like
2: he literally got that out of nowhere. I mean, maybe you know, City was a little complacent being up. 2-0 in the 92nd minute um, because it was kind of kind of sloppy play by them. I think maybe they would have been a little bit tighter. So it could have just been a byproduct of them being up 2-0. But yeah, I mean, play could have easily happened otherwise and Lanzini could have just went posting in on Ederson, kind of crushing his dreams of his 100th
1: clean sheet on the day. Seriously, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like if you're going to break a clean sheet spell, like that's the way to do it. I guess, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like, like from Anderson's standpoint, he'd be like, "I, I couldn't do anything there." <laughs> like, yeah, volley bar down, like no chance. I mean, he's gonna get it soon enough. And next year, I'm sure they'll get another clean sheet, so he can get his hundredth at some point. Yeah, I'm sure he'll bank another one. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm pretty positive with that. Um, just to round out the top four, uh, Liverpool, Southampton, Liverpool 4-0 victors. Again, just keep rolling. I mean, they. It came away. Two no victors against Porto uh midweek. Four nil no here. I mean that's six goals four in one week. That's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Um Southampton obviously a team that's kind of in shambles this year, sitting down in fifteenth place. Bit of a um, bit of a regression from what they did last year. I think they were like closer to top ten last year. Yeah. They're one of those teams that are kind of always around mid table, but you know who they are. Going, yeah. like you know the players from Southampton because they actually do perform well. Um yeah. I think like like many teams in the EPL this year, they're just not getting goals for them. Mm-hmm. There's not many like obviously, the Chelsea's and Liverpool's and Cities, they put goals away when they can and like they're way ahead of everybody else in the goals for department. But if you look at everyone else, like Wolves is in sixth place and they have twelve. Tottenham has eleven. Brighton has twelve. Um, Southampton eleven. Like Leeds 12, like there's not many goals that are happening right now. Like, if you look at the table from two different sides, like a top 10 and a bottom 10, of just on goal differential, yeah, or sorry, on goals four, they're tight right now. There's not many goals being scored this year from any other side other than like the top three or four. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like know why. Huge, it a huge big disconnect. Gap. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> could be, could be a lot of, a lot of
2: things. Um, but you know, speaking to Liverpool, um, it was, it was a really interesting game for me because they looked so good going forward, but they looked really vulnerable in the back at times. I, think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, Southampton, you know, had a chance early on, and I feel like they were getting in behind a few times. I think more than um, I think Liverpool's accustomed to. Um, so I don't, I'm not really sure what was going on there. Um, usually Liverpool's a little like sure in the back. But you know, just going forward, you know, Mane, Salah, and um, uh, Jota, yeah, yeah, Jota, like they just look so good going forward. And I think you know that's the threat they bring to games. And I think why City has struggled with them in the last few seasons, where they just have trouble coping with with those players. Yeah, Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool rarely, if Liverpool gets, you know like you said, 13 chances in a game, they'll probably score three or four. Yeah. Whereas City will probably score one.
1: Um, <laughs> City probably score one, one or two. One.
2: Yeah. One or two. Uh, but yeah, Liverpool just takes their chances. That's one thing I think they have over even Chelsea and City is they just take, even their half chances, they just really just find a way to get those in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of goes with the whole Gagan press Style that Klopp plays that like we we're just talking about. If you wanted to see how United want to play and how they aspire to play, just watch. Let's watch Liverpool play. Uh, it's the same thing. Yeah, like, create chances from turnovers, high pressure. Um, yeah, it's just nonstop. And then, again, I know we're talking Liverpool right now, but with the high pressure and like the high intensity, I think like players like Sancho and Greenwood will get more of a chance mm-hmm. um, with Ragnick. And like obviously, he didn't start Ronaldo today uh character didn't start Ronaldo. He quoted like just trying to shake it up, I thing he said. That's like what his uh his press <laughs> conference was after the after the match, just trying to shake up the squad. But that's I mean the... for a big game against Chelsea, you would want to start Ronaldo, you would think. Yeah. Arguably your biggest game. Yeah. But I'm wondering if that's like kind of things to come because I don't know if Ragnick will play Ronaldo as much as he has been. Yeah. I don't think he favors veteran players. I don't think he favors older players because he needs players that have high intensity. And Ronaldo clearly won't, you know, give his all, I don't think. Not because, like, that's not who he is. I think he will give 110% whenever he plays. But, like, he's not going to chase the ball around the field. Like, yeah. Run like this between defenders and goalkeeper and try and, like, attack and put high pressure on defenders. I don't see him doing that. Yeah. I, I see that more for the players like Rashford and Sancho, Lingard, um, Greenwood, you know, yeah, guys like that. I think that's more suitable for them. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if even when when Ragnarok comes in, that Ronaldo will see more bench time than than what he's seeing now. Yeah, and then he just goes to Man City and then Man City got there. And we're I
2: don't think that would ever happen. <laughs> no, nah, me neither. No,
1: no. <laughs> it I almost don't. did. There was talks that almost did happen. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I think that was all just smoke I don't, and mirrors. I think that, yeah, was, that was a stipulated. ploy.
1: Yeah. Smoke so. and mirrors.
2: Be like, oh, Ronaldo's going to go to City. Man, you better sign him pretty quick before he goes. Yoink. <laughs> <They> just pick <laughs> him
0: yeah.
1: up. Yeah. Um. We yeah, no Liverpool man. They're they're a sweet side. They're they're good. Yeah, um, very balanced team, um, top to bottom. There was no Fabinho this game. It was Konate and uh, Van Dyke in on defense. So maybe maybe Konate hasn't gotten many first team minutes. And maybe that's why they're a little shaky at the back. Santo, if that's what you think.
2: Yeah, maybe could have been could have been that. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's just for them playing Southampton, I, I was surprised to see Southampton have the chances they had. I thought it'd be a lot more of just kind of like a total domination, but Southampton had their chances, just obviously didn't take any of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, last uh, match to talk about. Arsenal. Man, they're, they're one point away from being in uh, Champions League spot. Who would have thought this was coming? Five weeks yeah. into the season. Yeah, I know the, I mean, the Arsenal faithful probably did, but this this podcast didn't. No,
2: no, there was you know all the talks we had. Now they're sitting, you know, tied tied for uh, fourth. in fifth because of a goal differential, yeah. but tied on points with West Ham. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they're just looking better every game, and uh, they're just they just look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> You know, as bad as that sounds, we're at the start of the season. They just looked in absolute shambles, um, but yeah, they just look—they look really good. Everyone seems to have really bought into what they're what they're doing, and yeah, they're just flying up the table right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, will what they play Man U next?
1: Yeah, isn't that fitting?
2: Um, I think that's, that's a game that's... to watch. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. gonna be yeah. the game
1: of the season. <laughs>
2: I mean, that'll be the telltale stuff as to is Arsenal going to be the team that breaks free from, like, because we have obviously the front three, and then we have West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham, Man U. You know, is Arsenal going to be that team and, you know, really take fourth place by the by the reins, say, like, no, we're, like, fourth place is ours? I mean, that would be a huge win for the Arsenal yeah. faithful and for Arteta. Mm-hmm. I mean, taking this squad of just super young players. And bring them back, you know. Hey, we're we're the like the fourth team in the EPL, you know. Mm -hmm. Tottenham, not Leicester, not Man U, like Arsenal's making the comeback. Yeah, Um, this next game. I know United has a new manager, but you know if they really want to, you know, solidify their spot, this is the match they got to win because you know Man U is definitely a wounded animal at this point, and they got to kind of pounce on this opportunity, Mm -hmm. break from the three teams below them. I think that'll be really key.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's going against a side like Newcastle, who is obviously in a huge rebuilding stage and not playing very well. They have to take advantage of those games, right? Yeah. And uh, to get players as young as they do, or as long as they have scoring goals, like having Saka and Martinelli score for them, two 20-year-old players, like that's mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome because that's your future, right? That's your core. Yeah. Um, they're not paying them too, too much right now. I know Saka was a, um, like a youth academy player, so they didn't have to do any transfer for him. Like obviously his salary is going to increase as he gets better and gets older, but to have yeah. Saka and Martinelli two players like under pretty decent contracts, you know, for the next couple of years, that just gives financial freedom for them to bring in more, you know, suitable players for their playing style. Yeah. So I mean, again, for everything that we talk shit about with Arsenal, they're um <laughs> trying to figure it out a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, one point away from from West Ham. Oh, sorry, one point away from Europe over. Champions League being tied with West Ham, yeah, and it's just crazy that you know the next games against United. So like, how lucky are we <laughs> uh, with the schedule and how it works out here?
2: Yeah, no, and I honestly I got to give credit to Ramsdale because just every game he's just showing up. I mean, some of the same saves I I remember the one against Shelby where you know, Shelby, you know, he'll just pull something out of the ba- his back pocket. Yeah. You know, I remember a couple of bangers he had for uh, Liverpool back in the day. Um but yeah, he just like ripped one and Ramsdale, you know, who maybe didn't have like a whole lot to do at certain points in the game. He just comes up big with a save. And, um, I think he's been like a key, key part for Arsenal's success. Um, and again, waiting to see when he kind of takes over the England spot sooner than later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know how Pickford's going to feel about that.
1: Well, I mean, it's good to have a competition, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was I'd been nervous that, like, if he was playing in in Euros. Oh, I mean, they yeah. got to the to
1: the final and not on Pickers' uh, not on Pickers' account though. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when Harry Kane could score. <laughs> yeah, um, he had like
2: seven of your eight games at Wembley.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, that's We're that's. Back. That's so untalked about, not talked about. No. I, mean, like, I know,
2: it's like... Who? We're not
1: talking about how many, how many games they had at Wembley and how full the stadium was in the final. Seriously.
2: And more and more full as it went on.
1: Literally, like, every odd was against the opposing team when they fight against England in like, every way possible. Like England yeah. was sick, Like amazing team. Everybody was on form or in form. Every game was a home game at Wembley they lived in the, they're staying in their own house probably like whenever they wanted to they didn't have to like do any team quarantine they just like stayed there yeah like, come on still
2: lost in the final and they yeah. still lost in the final mm-hmm. came to now, Rome yeah came to Rome, now <laughs> I Rome love not it. going to the World Cup yeah, yeah, it, oh god
1: the World Cup may not how be does it turn full circle all we just talked for over an hour or whatever it was and it full circle back to Italy not qualifying for the World Cup it came full
2: circle because Italy's not going to qualify
1: for the World Cup <sighs> Don't put that evil Same loss, thing in two
2: thousand six. Win two thousand six. I mean, at least that year we qualified for the World Cup. Maybe it was better if we didn't, because we were what in a group with New Zealand, <sighs>
0: like Czechoslovakia, yeah. and Mexico. I, I forget who.
2: No, it was no, three it was... very like not top tier teams, that we got last in the group.
1: <sighs> Ireland.
2: No, I don't no. Even think it was Ireland. <laughs> I think it was honestly. I'm gonna check now. Two thousand ten World Cup. Groups. It was Czechoslovakia, New Zealand. Yeah, Slovakia, like, New Zealand, and Paraguay. Paraguay, Paraguay. Yeah. Lost th- Three two to Slovakia. Lost three Paraguay. two to Slovakia. Tied New Zealand one one. Tied Paraguay one one. Yeah, brutal. two
1: points. Two points. It's not the way to do it. <sighs> no. But that was like great. Right, like obviously, like when we won in '06, everyone left. <laughs> like everyone no. who was like good, it's
2: like Canovaro and all them were still there. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we like, were still there. But, but I, like a lot of our good players,
1: weren't we weren't there. scoring though. <laughs> yeah. There's no one to score.
2: It was just the same team. So we were four years older. Not a lot of changes.
1: Four years happened. I mean, no can happen. In four years. Yeah. I had no kids, yeah. and I had hair four years ago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> lock and lock and change.
1: Jesus. <laughs> um. Uh. One thing I want to say about the Arsenal game. Uh. Last thing is like obviously. Again, it just keeps going full circle. back to Newcastle now. I think because I did have high regards for Eddie Howe and how he's going to change the team around. But they, from like watching them play, they're just really not good at anything. <laughs> like to put it lightly, like they weren't really good at attacking. They weren't really good at defending. Um, the transition play was poor. Their turno- turnovers were pretty poor. And so my question to you guys is, what is the most crucial area of the field to be the best at? Like, if you could be the best, at, yeah. if you have the best goalkeeper in the world all the time, you have the best defense in the world, you're the best midfielder in the world, or you have the best forward core in the world, but everything else is kind of average. Where do you want your team to peak at? I would
2: definitely say mid, but um, I made a kind of a note where, really, if you have a really solid center mid and a good winger and just a good outside back, at least you have an out for your team you know, you have something, um, I, I would say, you know, if, you know, just off the cuff, probably say mid, um, but I think in general, you need a solid two solid center mid and at least one really solid center back to have some good structure. Otherwise yeah. you're going to be vulnerable all the time. Yeah. I mean, really, if I could just choose like four solid positions, a good center back, a good CDM, a good attacking midfielder and a good striker. Because really that's what Leicester won the title on.
1: Well, that's not the question, Joe.
2: I know. But I, so I would say probably midfield. Yeah. If Because if you can get a CDM, especially a CDM that can collect the ball and also see a pass, really you just need them and a decent attacking-minded midfielder that can make a run past the strikers because he's not going to get picked up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and have someone just play long ball because really that's all we did on Polonia.
1: Yeah, was
2: <laughs> Just <stopped. laughs> me that. That worked the ball.
1: for us. <laughs> Kicking the ball to either Saunders or Kaz. Um, that worked for us for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's clear-cut uh, center mid or sorry, midfield across the board here. I agree basically with everything you guys are saying. Um, like the old cliche line is like defense wins championships, which is true. I think in a lot, in a big case, I if you don't get scored upon, you can't lose. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you have a solid midfield in front of you that can prevent anything from even happening and they prevent being penetrated to your defense and getting caught in odd man rushes, then with an average defense, you're still going to be okay. Yeah. And then the same kind of mentality kind of goes like for for attacking. Like if you're attacking players that are like a little bit lackluster and they're not the greatest at finishing, <clears throat> Werner then I think your midfielders can kind of pick up the the slack a little bit. And yeah. obviously like saying, Oh, our forwards are crap, but we'll get 20 goals from our midfielder. That's not kind yeah. of what, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying like, if you can just contribute offensively from your midfield and kind of not have to just rely on one striker or like two players up front being the main goal scorers for your team. And then having a solid mid that can contribute that way too is mm-hmm. is obviously huge.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, having said that, if I was a team like Newcastle or Norwich, I would much rather make sure I have two solid center backs that wouldn't get the midfielders. Because yeah, I, I think get, over the course of a season, if you can save any, turn any losses to ties or even eke out wins, I think that's huge over the course of a season.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's kind of dependent on like where you are as a team. Yeah. Like obviously Newcastle, like they need at least one good player everywhere over the field. Like they need yeah. to just like every spot they could use mm. an upgrade basically. Um, but in their case, yeah, like you said, like if they're, if they're losing a game or yeah, if they're draw, if they're tying a game one, one or nil, nil, they get score on the 85th minute. Well, there you go. Mm. Like you got to pick yeah. up points. Like at that point in the table, at that spot on the table. You got to pick up points whenever you can. Yeah. So yeah turning ties into losses is obviously terrible. You'd rather have that happen than So you'd rather have a, a tie than a loss. So you'd rather be zero, zero and not mm-hmm. score than to get scored against. 100%. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're looking at it from like a mid table standpoint or like towards the upper echelon of, of mm-hmm. players and teams, you'd want to have the best midfielder you can or midfield yeah. core that you can. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where, you know, of the game is played anyways.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Unless you're Man City and you're playing everything in the final third. But the majority of the game is, you know, that that middle ground between like box to box, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. Um, But yeah, I think no matter how good your D is, if they're soaking up pressure over like the course of a game, the thing is they're going to get scored on. Right, like no D can kind of hold it out for forever. So, yeah, I think you just you really need that balance, right? But I agree. I mean, if your intention is to stay up versus like win games, <laughs> it might be best. Yeah. Uh, D might be more critical, but different mentality, hey, yeah. eh? like yeah. completely different strategies for these teams. <laughs> like guys,
1: we can't lose, man. We're just gonna tie. We can't lose. Yeah yeah we need like, one we need point. to win we need to win but we definitely cannot lose yeah <laughs> if we just rally off 15 ties we're good <laughs> like, yeah. a, that's kind of some standpoints of a you know lower sides <laughs> yeah
2: it's too bad yeah.
1: you guys give a point when you can yeah, um, especially for newcastle yeah seriously got a jersey on on the line <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean, well,
2: oh. to go full circle, if I'm Newcastle, I would still take good midfielders just because they need wins now.
1: Well, they need but everything. That's what a, I'm saying. Now everything. you need wins. Yeah, <laughs> they need everything.
2: Now you really need wins. But if you're, who is it? Uh, Leeds, <laughs> I'd take defenders. If I'm Newcastle, I'm taking midfielders for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure of that defense. Yeah. Um. So we got a little exciting week uh, ahead of us here, an early week of games.
2: Starting Mm -hmm. on Tuesday
1: uh, with Newcastle (laughs) having the early game, actually Newcastle, Norwich. So, I mean, that's a big one that they got to, they got to win pencil in the W for Newcastle. Hopefully. Um, Yeah, they need that one. As far as the top four and top five, Chelsea and Watford play on Wednesday, West Ham and Brighton play Wednesday, Uh, Everton, Liverpool, Merseyside Derby, huge match Villa and Man City. Steven Gerrard playing against Man City, his first uh, big competition. Basically mm-hmm. his big uh, biggest opponents is he's been a point at Man uh Aston Villa. And then also later on that day, Man United Arsenal. Uh that's probably the big one I would think. Well, ever Everton Liverpool is always big just for rivalry standpoint, but for standings yeah. and, and content, I think United and Arsenal uh is the biggest get for that game. Yeah, that's uh that's gonna be the one to watch. Mm-hmm. And I know we didn't talk about Tottenham today. That's because their game is actually postponed against Burnley. Um, mm-hmm. just massive snowstorm. Yeah, I know we touched about it in the in the city game. I think it was like sweeping down from like city into like the Midlands. So I think Burnley mm-hmm. got hit like pretty hard. I think yeah. Burnley's like right in that middle ground. And uh, yeah, that game ended up getting postponed, so it wasn't even played. Yeah, no, so that- like the the Man City
2: game looked like it was just. It was right on the cusp where if it started getting like a little worse, just leaning over there, it could have been unplayable. Yeah, because
1: I couldn't even see the ball. No, it was brutal. Eh? Yeah, it's always funny too, like when they show the different camera angles because they do that wide shot from like above, even like when it's raining, you can't tell it's raining. No, like yeah. half the time, and they do like the zoom in on the players' faces, and it's just like downpouring. Like <laughs> it's, spring. Spring. it's like, so oh, I, never I didn't know it was all raining all all that months. day. Like I thought it was like sunny, like sunny skies. Yeah, and it's like downpouring on them. So yeah, to see today like you could see from like the wide zoomed out lens like it was coming mm-hmm. down. Oh, yeah. um, That's pretty cool to see, though. I missed that. Kind of. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe not the cold, but the precipitation. Yeah,
1: it was fun, man. Yeah, it makes every game more fun. I was thinking about it today. I'm like, what was the coldest game I ever played in? Probably, Probably in the real game games. at the U. <sighs> That's what I thought. Games
2: like when it was actual snow on yeah. the turf field at the U. Yeah, I oh, thought of intramurals. would be the coldest. Oh, man. It's like... That was really cool. that one of my least favorite things.
1: Was that on the on the main field or was that like on the backfield? I can't remember. The one I'm thinking of was on the main one where it was
2: cold. Uh, I mean, yeah, like Joe was It was the saying, final, I think. Oh, Might have been. Yeah. Um. But yeah, 9 p.m. snowing on a Sunday. <laughs> and gonna, like, I think it was like in November. The... It was like... Yeah. It was probably around this time or so drive to the U and just play an in-real soccer game in the freezing cold
1: until 10.30 p.m. That's dedication, man. We used, to, we used to do it all the time. Like, it was like a oh, no-brainer. Wow. Of yeah. course I'll go do that. <laughs> oh, man. You want to come yeah. play at 9 o'clock? I, yeah, it's minus 8 outside. Of course I'll be there.
2: It's, eight, it's 8.30 right now. So we'd like, just be leaving. Just be yeah. leaving
1: to go play a game in the snow.
2: And, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> <I've been Goose laughs> I think thinking about it. Yeah, just no, I'll take
1: going be. Oh, I'll I take know. center
2: line just indoors right now.
1: 100 percent.
2: That'll be fine. It's no, 6 I'm PM. sure.
1: I'm sure everyone's itching to get back. Uh, we'll see how it happens next year. Even indoor, maybe this year in the winter. I don't know if they're gonna do some stuff. Oh yeah, we've
2: uh we committed to uh, January indoor. Nice. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> 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 trying to get back somewhat, into it. Yeah, some normalcy back back in the fold. Gonna really see how bad I've gotten. Over playing <laughs> games I'm more worried about the injury proneness oh yeah, even and the, injuries. the game we played at Chicharro against the younger Chicharro team come the 60th minute both my calves cramped both my hamstrings are gonna go yeah <laughs> so I don't know what's gonna happen well
1: before. we're not springing chickens anymore
2: no especially <laughs> this long being out gonna yeah We'll see. I'm not not gonna go hard the first ten minutes just because if I do, I'm gonna pull a hammy and just be out for as long. <laughs> Going to be a key key warm up key warm up yeah, session. Yeah, key warm up. Oh, it's like, if I'm doing early. anything. It's like no, I'm not ready. Today. <laughs> I need a few games just to warm up and then <laughs> maybe play
1: week four. Get the roller, <laughs> so get I, the roller out, get the yoga mat out. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: we haven't. We you know we were playing outdoor and then um, stopped that one. The weather got a little colder. So going from that right to indoor where it's a million miles an hour, yeah, seriously, you know, it's a different game. De- definitely, yeah, when you're playing an actual any. game, like you could, when we're playing at the, when we play, just uh, with our team, it's way more different because you can just do nothing because it's just a scrimmage. But when you're yeah. playing an actual game,
1: Oh, it's real. <laughs> very, very, I never. You guys know this without me. I'm never, the, I'm never the biggest indoor fan because you get exposed if you're just like take a minute <laughs> off. You're exposed. Yeah. And I mean, you know, me being like the lazy striker as I am, strategic striker. Yeah, I mean, outdoors <laughs> you, you get lazy, you get forgotten about, then you go and counterattack and score. Yeah. And indoor you get lazy. You I mean you're you're oh. down two nil right away. Like yeah, <laughs> you got some kid breezing past you on the on the wing. Um, yeah. Not my cup of tea. I'll just say that <sighs> playing indoor, it's good for fitness. It's good to just you know kick the ball around with the guys, but oof. Yeah. High intensity is not my, uh, not my thing.
2: I'm, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see like who we play against because I feel just over these past two years of COVID, just we've obviously aged up, and then there's been a lot of younger kids that have just turned eighteen, nineteen, and twenty that are gonna be playing. I'm not gonna recognize anyone anymore, and just like that, we're the old guys playing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Bring on the over thirties next no. year.
1: Not ready yet. <laughs> Oh, I've been waiting for this for five years. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> just waiting. The, time thir- time the over the been calling my name for five years. <laughs> all the teams are lined up together. To
2: Andrew, yeah.
1: Come on, guys, take your pick. Let's go. <laughs> get in line. Are <laughs> right, we good, boys? We're good. Yeah, all good. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can find us um, on Twitter at Footy underscore Fans P H A N S. You can find us on Instagram also search footy fans podcast and like i said youtube you can find us on there i think i'm going to try and post this one like this video on youtube mm-hmm. um so if you guys like talking to us and see our ugly faces um always like and subscribe again huge bonus to the, to the channel to the to the podcast if you guys like and subscribe to the video just get some more out there right the more likes yeah. the more attention it brings uh you help us we'll help you um So as always, we will catch in next week after all of the week's action. See you, everyone.
2: Bye, everybody.